Welcome to the London Hub. Uh, this is the HubSpot user group meeting. And I'm going to give you a little bit of background. I'm going to introduce some really fantastic speakers that we've got today. Uh, and I'm not going to talk too much about myself or our agency because really these, these events are all about education. They're all about teaching. They're all about industry best practice. And that's what we're here to do. But having said that, White Hat is my agency. We are a... <laughs> I'm, I'm a marketer, right? Give me, give, me a, give me a break. We are a HubSpot certified partner, platinum level partner. That's pretty much it. That's all I'm going to say. Um, if you look around the room, if you look at the demographics of the people that we have here and the companies and the breakdown, just for your, for your information, about 50% of you are existing HubSpot users. So you've implemented or running HubSpot, you know what it is. That means 50% of you are not. You've probably got no idea and you've turned up for the coffee and the free croissant, which is absolutely fine. This event is not going to be technical. It's not going to be a deep dive into some obscure settings within the HubSpot software. It's about industry best practice. It's about what works what doesn't work, trends. Yeah. And the other thing I'm going to ask you a little later on is, is we're going to want feedback. We're going to want to know what you want to see next. Right? So this is a user group. It is your group, which means that we can do whatever you want. If you want me to fly people over from Boston like we have today, I'll do that. If we want the head of EMEA coming over from Dublin, it's what we did last time, we'll do that again. Yeah. I, I'm really excited, and you can't tell that because I'm British, but I'm really, <laughs> I'm really excited <laughs> to have Dan Tyre and to have Ian Redmond today, two of my favorite people, two very different people from different worlds, but with very interesting overlaps in approach, um, and it'll be interesting to see how, how, the, uh, how you can compare and contrast those, those two guys. Dan Tyre move on here. Just a little bit of um, housekeeping. If you need the Wi-Fi, there it is. It's the guest login with Overseas 1910. Um, London Hug, hashtag London Hug. Tell people. There's a whole lot of resources. These slides will be available to everybody. I'll send them out. You don't have to worry about writing things down, taking notes. I will share these. We'll put them on the blogs. We'll, 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 we'll distribute. This is the agenda. I'm keeping it reasonably open. We will have questions. We want discussion. We want to talk. We want to make this interesting. We will stop for coffee. Um, right at the end, I'm not really talking very much apart from this bit. Um, at the end, I'll, I'll give you an, an overview of what, we're, what we want to do next. Let me introduce Dan Tyre. Dan is employee number six at HubSpot. HubSpot are now up to how many employees? 2,300. You're losing track. Unbelievable. 4.5 billion market capitalization in this company. Incredible growth. Incredible growth. Employee number six, Dan Tyre. We've been working with him for over a year. He's helped us grow our agency to help us get to this platinum level. Uh, and he is enthusiastic where I am kind of quiet. So I'm just, I'm just going to stop talking. I'm going to hand over to Dan. Dan Tyre. Boo!
Do I have to stay behind the podium? That's never going to work. I need like a soapbox, right? I'm like behind here. The guys, I'm, a, I'm five, six. That's not going to work. Come on. That's all right. I move around a lot. It's okay. Can I come over here? No, it's not. All right. I'll try to stay. No, that's all right. I need my hands like free to make gestures and to point at people and see if you guys are laughing. Uh, so, super excited to be here. Thank you very much, Cluid, uh, Marguerite, Edwin, um, Ian, who I met last night. This is going to be uh, awesome. Uh, I love coming to London. I'm here, I don't know, a couple of times a year, two or four times a year, um, and uh, very excited to be at the HubSpot uh, user group today to talk about building a sales and marketing revenue team, right, and um, talk about schmarketing, right? Say it, schmarketing. Boom, that's it, right? Emily Victoria said they'll never say schmarketing. Cluid said, no, 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 Brits won't say schmarketing. And uh, I know you will, because you just did. All right, it's March. How's people, uh, how are you feeling about like the end of the year, right? How many people are ahead? Raise your hand if you're ahead. Raise your hand, all right, uh, I need a statistician for the group. Anybody like study statistics or economics at university? Anybody? No? Anybody take like an algebra class in secondary school? <laughs> no? Somebody's got to. You're kind of, no, analytic. Pete, right? You do numbers. All right, uh, raise your hand if you're ahead for the year. Right, we got a week to go. You should know. What percentage, Pete? Eight percent? Wow, you do know statistics. That's pretty good. All right, how many people are about flat where they should be? Right? What do you got? Two percent, and how many people are behind? All right, you got to get uh, uh, Pete. What's the number there? Oh, we need more hands. Who's behind? I, I know. I'm going to say if you didn't raise your hand, they're behind. So let's say that's like 80, right? So there's one or two things. You can watch my presentation, or you can leave and try to finish the year strong. All right. Uh, I'm, uh, but I'm super excited to talk about marketing, create a, a revenue engine. How many uh, marketers in the group? Raise your hand. Raise your hand high so Pete can see it. All right, Pete, what's the deal? 75. All right, how many salespeople? Woohoo! That's great. I need a number. Uh, 28. 28? <laughs> oh, Pete, I love it. How many executives? Right? How many people? All right, so there's like 10%, maybe 12% there. All right, so there's a good mix, right? It's always interesting. Salespeople sit on one side, marketing people sit on the other side. All right, uh, thank you very much. All right, so this is me with the only tool that I know how to use. That's a saw for some of you uh, folks. I don't know what you call it in the UK, but uh, I support an organization called One Mission, right? Uh, One Mission um, is a community development organization. Uh, twice a year, I go either to um, El Salvador, Nicaragua, or Mexico. All right, this company um, generates a, um, gets 10 people from um, the United States and about 20 people from uh, Mexican nationals. A and we go and um, we spend three days to build a house. Anybody ever build a house before? Right, it's not the kind of houses you live in. It's 600 square feet, it doesn't have plumbing, it doesn't have electricity. And um, the, we pick a person who earns their house. This is a person that has no education, uh, usually has um, several dependents, Right, uh, doesn't have a place to like live. Right, they live under a boat or under a tarp. Uh, we spend three days build the house, and we hand the keys 
to that person who has earned their house, right? And it's a random act of kindness. It's incredibly refreshing to the soul. And I start this all the time, my presentations, with explaining a little bit about uh, One Mission. Uh, you can get them onemission.org if you're interested. And then I show a picture of my beautiful wife. I've been married for 29 years. And she's telling me that the floor of the new house isn't flat enough so that I have to use another tool, which I don't really know the name of, to make sure it's flat. Right? So that's pretty cool. All right. Love to be in London. Right? I'm super excited to try out some new jokes. Right? Victoria and Emily thought they were hugely funny. So if they're not funny, you can have a discussion with them. Uh, As I come over here to the United States, I can't use all my U.S. jokes. Right? Uh, I Google British humor. Uh, (laughs) What are the attributes of British humor, right? Sarcasm, right? Um, it's um, irony, self-depreciation, deadpan delivery, right? Do I have them all, right? Right? It's exactly. So I'm hugely funny. You guys aren't going to laugh, right? It's like a win-win for me. What's that? Ah, toilet humor, right? Yes. All right. Well, I got some of that, right? Ian, we were talking about that at dinner last night. Ian was, was going uh, to give me a picture of uh, elephant poop, right? And he's going to talk about why elephant poop is important. Ian, is that in your presentation? Where is Ian? Can be. Oh, can be. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. Great. Perfect. Um, greatest uh, city in the world. All right. Does this work? <laughs> See that, Emily? That's good. All right. There's a story behind this. All right. The thing about Dan Tire is I got this big energy. Right? It's kind of annoying if it's before 6 o'clock in the morning, but it's like, um, it's like caffeination, right? So if you're pregnant and can't drink coffee, right, I'm the next best thing, right? Uh, it's like always on. I wake up like this. I vibrate at a different level. It's kind of weird. Brian Sexton knows, right? It's just the way I am. Uh, and I was given, I've got all these stories, right? Things happen to me. I'm the luckiest guy in the world. Things happen to me. They just don't happen to other folks. And uh, I'm at the University of Ohio. I put this up. Silence, right? Nothing, right? There are 400 people in the audience. No one giggles, laughs, or whatever, right? And so I'm a pretty hard-headed guy. I'm going to stick it out, right? I am not going to move, right? I didn't even have a podium to, like, guard me, right? And I'm just saying, all right, audience, you either laugh, right, or I'm not moving on, right? And, of course, I won after, like, four minutes, right? It was agonizing, right? Well, it really wasn't agonizing for me because I had the clicker, but it was agonizing for that finally one lady in the front row started laughing. Then everybody started laughing, so boom. All right, so I thought that would work in uh, London. How about this? Mayan? Mayan apocalypse. (laughs) Ian, is that funny? Kind of? Ah, very good. Ian's my litmus test. All right, so the story behind this one is I'm a big-time speaker now, right? I'm in Costa Rica. Anybody been to Costa Rica? Right? Costa Rica is uh, the first time that I had a translator, right? So I'm thinking, wow, I hit the big time, right? I got a translator. So I'm over here on the side, and my translator's sitting on a little stool. Whatever I say, my translator says in Spanish, right? So I go, Mayan, Mayan apocalypse. Same response. Nothing. I go, Gonzalo, say it again. He's like, no. (laughs) I know. Uh, It's a funny line. I go, you got to say it. He's like, no. I'm like, why? He goes, there are no alpacas in Costa Rica. (laughs) They go, they all think it's like a fat goat. And you've got to admit, right? It is not, I mean, it's a funny looking kind of thing. But I thought that was a good joke. All right, how about this one? That's British humor, right? I was told that that is like insensitive. 
I was given a presentation in Las Vegas. People say, that's horrible. How can you put that up? I go, I think that's funny. Right? I know. Lorenzo likes it. Yes. Yes. Very, very, very good. All right. So my name is Dan Tyre. Connect with me on all forms of social media. Right? Uh, I'm kind of an interesting guy. I'm a very, very lucky guy. I've been married to my beautiful wife, Amy, for 29 years. I've got two beautiful kids. I live, I'm kind of a quirky guy. I live in a purple house. Right? I've got a uh, blind dog by the name of Katy Perry. <laughs> I know. If you ever want to make people smile, get a dog and rename them her or him, Katy Perry. It's actually a boy dog by the name of Katy Perry. Right? I'm a fist bumper. Right? I fist bump. I don't shake hands. Right? You guys know that. Right? Lorenzo, you know that. Right? It's, uh, it's not a germaphobe thing. It's, there's a long story for that. I don't have time for that today. Uh, connect with me on LinkedIn. I know like half the people in the world. Right? Connect with me on Twitter. How many people are on Twitter? Statistician? Come on. Come on, Pete. Raise your hands again. I'm going to say a little more. You can't see the people in the back row, right? All the way back. I'm going to say about 50%. I'm like, uh, it's interesting about Twitter. I've been there for, on Twitter for a while. I'm not sure it has the impact it has before, but connect with me there. Uh, connect with me on Instagram if you want to see pictures of my food. Right? That's pretty cool. Uh, any snappers here? Anybody use Snapchat? Couple? Yeah. Right. Uh, there's a funny story there. Victoria, you're a Snapchatter? Yes. All right. D-Tire 1. Right. I'm um, having breakfast with a millennial. Right. Any, who's the millennial in the audience? Any millennials? Right. Okay. 20% Pete? <laughs> 10? They don't get up before 9 o'clock in the morning. Ah, that's true. They don't... I know, I know. They wouldn't show up to a presentation. They should be here. It's important kind of stuff, right? Millennials are an important demographic. I'm, I mean, is that right? Edwin, you're not a millennial, are you? Yes. Boom! All right, I love millennials. I have a blog article called The Fallacy of the Lazy Millennials, right? We built HubSpot on millennials. In fact, my, Brian, my buddy Brian Sexton falls into the millennial category, I think, right? And uh, Brian, stand up for a second. Brian is from uh, Dubspot. He's over here. And any question that you have on Hubspot, find Brian. You'll be around until the end, right? Yeah. Yep. And happy to um, field any questions that you have. Thank you, Brian. How old do you think Brian is? Stand up again. <laughs> I don't need a statistician for this, right? <laughs> there was a heated discussion last night, right? I did win the pool, right? And I had two conversations about how old Brian is. So just yell it out. How old do you think? Who said 28? On the first? Is that right, Brian? Correct. Unbelievable. Are you like his sister? Do you, are you related? No. Okay, very good. All right, I have one prize. I have one prize. I have an orange ping pong ball. Does anybody know where this orange ping pong ball came from? All right. No, no, no. That's funny. That's funny. What's your name? Jillian, very, very good. All right, so uh, when we hit 15,000 customers, I think it was in 2015, we took 15,000 ping pong balls and we uh, uh, threw them off the fourth floor of World Headquarters in, at Cambridge. And I happened to be standing there, and uh, it's kind of interesting to see 15,000 ping balls come by, but I picked up a handful and I hand them out to my public presentation. So can you just... Bradley, can you run that back to the lady right there? And she gets the ping pong ball. Boom. Very good. All right. So I only have one. I know. Awesome. On the first guess, he looks much younger than 28. 
or late at night, sometimes he looks much older than 28. I don't know why people are so interested in your age, Brian. It's very interesting. Hey, Dan, we have more prizes. You have more swag? Oh, baby, look at that. Do you guys like uh, hoodies? Ooh, very good. All right, you cozy up. All right, you got to cozy up to Cluid. Cluid's got all the swag. All right, so... um, where is I going with this? All right, one other thing on the ping pong ball. I only brought one with me, so you're going to have to pass that around, right? If we have, we use that as the, like the only prize, right? So you, I mean, uh, enjoy it while you have it because you might have to pass it like three rows ahead of you. All right, uh, so I'm the luckiest guy in the world. You'll see that I look exactly the same in the picture as I am today. I wear the same thing all the time, right? I was just interviewed by Inc. Magazine, and one of the things I tell entrepreneurs is always be branded. Right? So I am always wearing the HubSpot t-shirt. I'm wearing the exact same jeans. Right? I'm 59 years old. Ian, I'm never going to buy anything else from here on out for the rest of my life. Ian and I are both into sustainability. I don't need to buy anything. I am the cheapest guy in North America. We were talking last night, maybe cheapest guy in the Western Hemisphere. We're not quite sure. Right? But this is the way I look. You'll see me in airports like this all the time. I'm employee number six at HubSpot. How many people know HubSpot? All right, that's almost 100%. Right? How many people are HubSpot customers? I'm going to say 80%. How many people um, are HubSpot partners? Right? Stand up if you're HubSpot partners. Stand up. Come on, Bradley. Stand up. Come on, come on, come on. All right. Any question that you have on HubSpot, you ask one of these people. They're in it every day. Right? We live and die by our um, partners. They are a great, great competitive advantage for that. I'm going to ask you to stand up a couple of different times, so get used to it. All right. Very good. Thank you. All right, um, I'm employee number six at HubSpot. Uh, I, was, I actually cold called for HubSpot. Don't tell anybody. I, it was amazing in 2007. And I've got some stories about how it's evolved over the last 11 years. Right? I've done five startups since 1983. Uh, my first one went to a billion and a half dollars, IPO'd and secondary uh, in 1981. Who was born in 1981? Like 3%. I know, I know. You weren't born in 1981? You must have been born in 1981. No? Oh, man. Ramsey, you were born in 1981? All right, two old guys in the room. I love it. All right, uh, my second uh, startup was an agency. I started my dining room, grew it to $25 million, uh, sold it to a Phoenix-based company. That's why I'm now based in Scottsdale, Arizona. My third company went bankrupt, taught me business planning and humility, right? It was very uh, instructional in the growth of uh, me personally as well as my business acumen. My fourth startup got bought out by Microsoft, that's where I met Brian Halligan. Uh, when Microsoft brought out Groove Networks, he went to MIT, met Darmesh. I worked for Microsoft for a year. And in 2006, he called me and said, I'm starting this company um, in, um, in Cambridge, and I want you to join. And I live 2,600 miles away. I go, wow, that's going to be a long commute. And I said, I don't think I can do it. He goes, ask your wife, which was smart because uh, I did. And I go, Amy, can I be in Boston four weeks out of the month? She goes, no. Right like a Brit? She doesn't even smile. She's like, no. I go, how about three weeks out of the month? She goes, no. I got two kids, right? Eight and, eight and 12 at the time. She goes, uh, I go, how about uh, two weeks out of the month? She goes, no. I go, how about one week out of the month? She goes, maybe. Right? So for 11 years, I commuted to um, Cambridge. Right? It takes four hours from Scottsdale. Uh, and over the last 11 years, I've been a very, very proud hub spotter. I bleed orange. I love the inbound philosophy, methodology. Uh, today, I'm a mentor to about 30 folks, everywhere from CEOs to teenagers in uh, the Bronx, right? I'm an advisor to uh, about 20 companies. I'm a big-time blogger. Anybody ever uh, read any of my stuff? 
Okay. Um, <laughs> we don't need the statistician to weigh in on that one. Oh, baby. Yeah, I'll show you some of my bloggers. I publish once a week on the HubSpot sales blog. I'm authority on selling. Uh, my background through uh, my business career has been a good general manager, but typically a emphasis on sales. Right? I speak 60 times a year on behalf of um, HubSpot, and I do some motivational stuff. Right? I'm an author this year. Right? Uh, I spent 2017 writing a book with uh, uh, my co-author, Todd Hockenberry. It's available on Amazon. It's available on Barnes & Noble. Uh, we'll ship uh, April 24th. We'll talk a little bit about that. I'm an angel investor in uh, 20 companies. I'm a sales coach. That's how I met Cluid, who is a great lion, right? Emma and uh, Adam back there, great lion. Pete is a great lion. The program we have, is, they call it the Lion Program, named by uh, Steve Vaughn. And uh, my guiding principle is I'm trying to do the most good that I can for the universe. And I didn't tell you the story last night, but I clipped that from my 23-year-old son, Eli, right? Um, when uh, Eli was nine years old, I was holding his hand. We were walking to the circus or something, and he looked up to me. He said, Dad, I think I'm smarter than you are, <laughs> right? And we both knew he was right. I know, I know, I know. He's super smart. He was um, admitted to the University of Chicago. I went there for a year and a half. He took a semester off, and I got the call. Uh, he wasn't going back to university. And so I got all my statistics, and I was all set to have the dad talk, and I was, like, sitting down and saying, all right, this is not in your best interest. You have to finish school and that kind of stuff. We go back and forth for two hours, and at the end, he looks at me and goes, Dad, all I want to do is the most good I can for the universe. And as a dad, what do you say when your kid says that? Like, you got nothing, right? Tears streaming down my eyes. That's the most beautiful thing I've ever heard. Go for it. Fully support him. I'm stealing that line, right? And I said, I'm going to show that to millions of people. And he's like, all right, dad, knock yourself out. Right? And so I do, right? And that is my mission. I love helping people. And the reason why I love HubSpot, it's all about helping people, right? And the reason why I love mixing up with our partners and the marketing people in the audience is that you guys understand that there's a huge change in buyer behavior, right? And we're going to talk a little bit about today how you leverage that change in buyer behavior. We're going to talk a little bit about the differences between sales and marketing. We're going to talk a little bit about how you have to align to create a revenue engine. We are going to explain some of the problems that marketing folks typically have with salespeople when they're trying, yep, I see a lot of laughs over there. I know, I know. You either need a baseball bat or you need to see this like presentation because it's hard, right? When we started in 2007, uh, marketers loved inbound, right? Marketers just get it, right? They're like, uh, we don't want to like flog people all the time. We don't want to buy lists. We don't spam people. We want to send junk mail, right? We want to help people, right? Salespeople are a little bit more suspect. Right? There's a huge difference, we'll talk about this, between marketers and salespeople. We'll explain from a marketing perspective how you can align with um, salespeople. All right, when is the future? Or actually, does that sound like a good agenda? Is that what you want to hear over the next? All right, we got, uh, Ian, how much, are you, how much time are you going to speak today? We got 20 minutes, right? You want more than 20 minutes? All right, you can have as long as you like. I love it. As long as you align it with inbound and HubSpot, no problem. And this is uh, Ian's uh, elephant. Right, which if you look up Ian and pictures of Ian on Google Images, you'll see he's all over the world with this elephant. Archie. Archie. Right. Very good. Very. He's got a Twitter account. Okay, marketers. That's what I'm telling you. If you don't have a Twitter account and Archie, the stuffed plush elephant, has one that says something. 
All right, so does that sound like a good use of your Morgan? Right, this sales and marketing alignment. It's critically important. This sh marketing thing, by the way, I invented that term in 2007. I was getting drunk with uh, our first CMO, Mike Volpe, and uh, we were talking a little bit about uh, the fact that uh, for the first four months of HubSpot, I cold called, right? I would like pick up the phone and call everybody in my Rolodex. And then we started getting these inbound leads, right? And it was transformational. From a sales perspective, inbound leads change everything, right? And um, we were talking a little bit about um, kind of uh, the impact that would have in, um, in regard to a salesperson's life. And I go, we need to create like more of these inbound leads. He goes, Dan, it's not that easy. We have to create content. And I'm like, well, create it. And he goes, it's not that easy, right? Unique and good content takes a professional writer. I'm like, we'll find a professional writer. He goes, I can find a writer, but I don't have headcount. I go, all right, I'll give you sales headcount. And he like stops and he looks at me. He goes, you would give me sales headcount for marketing. And I'm like, yep. I go, it's not sales, it's not marketing, it's marketing. It's all mixed together. And you'll see today, some of the things that salespeople do are right out of the marketing playbook. Some things that marketing do is right out of the sales playbook. So unless you're practicing this alignment, you can't grow the way you should. All right, so when is the future? Now, right. I used to, people used to say 2020. Right, they used to say 2025. Most everybody says this now. Why? Anybody have good examples of why we live in the future? Right? Does anybody remember a suit bag? What's a suit bag? Ian, can you pick up my suit bag right there? Right? Does anybody in the audience have a suit bag? Right? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. They they were all over Britain in like 1975. Right? Very good. I like that. Do you have one, Ian? Right? Did you ever have one? You must have had one. Well, you go on the bus show, maybe. Yeah, you don't wear a lot of suits. I got that. I got it. I know. I know. My suit goes in the back of my rucksack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. So, uh, anybody in the audience still have a suit bag? Right? You still have one? A couple of? Do you get, now, do you guys, who, the rest of you guys use rolly luggage? Right? You, like roll your luggage behind you? Right? You're so old-fashioned. Right? There's something called travel robotics. Right? So, today, you can have your luggage follow you around like a dog. Right? You load it on an iPhone app. Right? And you walk through the airport. My buddy Sean Kremitz, you walk through the airport. His luggage follows him. Right? I don't know how he gets through an elevator. Right? But we're at in the, I'm, I'm sitting in the airport, right? And I'm like, all right, there's no place to plug in. You know, everybody's like um, cavemen around the plugs all over the airport, right? You can't find a plug. And he goes, just plug in. I'm like, there's no plugs. He goes, no, 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 plug into my luggage. Right? And he pulls back the thing, and there's three USB ports, and he's got a power supply in his luggage that follows him around like a dog, right? That's the future, right? Um, uh, I, I'm talking to my nephew, and uh, on his Twitter, it goes, at coffee, at coffee, at coffee. I'm like, what's that? And he's like, oh, that's how I start my coffee pot in the morning. From bed, he tweets his coffee pot, so it starts. It's called Tweet-A-Pot. Right? Check it out. Right? We live in the future. Right? And then I was just in Las Vegas, and uh, they had something called Foldomatic. Right? Anybody hear of Foldomatic? It will fold your laundry like it's in a retail store. It has 218 robotic arms, and you put it in this little hole. Right? It's a thousand dollars. Right? It's definitely worth it. And now, boom! The the folding laundry. Right? As a man, I can definitively say that folding laundry has escaped me for 59 years. Right? There's just no way I can do it. All right, and uh, what we we're talking about, reading people's minds. Anybody ever think that Google can read your mind? Right? I know, I know. They have something called the Akinator. Has anybody ever heard of the Akinator? It's in the Google Home kind of thing. It was written up by my friend Amanda on the HubSpot uh, marketing blog. 
and uh, you walk into this booth that you think of a, like a movie star or something, and uh, they ask you questions, and they can determine what you're thinking about, right? Insane, with like weird accuracy, according to Amanda, right? And so uh, today is the future, right? And so um, there's some ramifications to that, right? Easier or harder to run a business in 2018? How many people think it's easier? All right, 1%. Clue it, 2%. How many people think it's harder? Right, everybody else. Why is it harder? Anybody want to shout out? Why, why is it harder? It's harder because there's more technology, more options, more ways to do things. You can, if you're a small business owner or medium-sized you know, enterprise team, great job. You can hire that talent, but you have to figure it all out. Boom, you're right. Lady in the back. The rules of the Oh, that's a great one. Anybody else? Yes, right there. Bureaucracy, all good examples. Let me give you three more. Number one, this is the environment today. Everybody sells everything else, right? There's all this noise out there. It's really difficult to differentiate between the professionals and people who just go into business, right? Everybody sells everything, right? Pharmacies sell like beer, like um, uh, people who tow cars are selling life insurance, right? And there's all this mishmash of stuff where every place you move, there's all of these uh, different like uh, stimuli that you have to respond to, right? We have more choice than ever before, but it's like harder and it's anxiety prone and you don't know where to like tether to really understand what you want to solve. Number two, this is your customer, right? Your customer is exasperated, right? Right? They're pissed off, right? They expect that you're going to know all about them, even if you've never talked to them before, right? My uh, great story about this is I fly into Phoenix Sky Harbor. It's like 2 o'clock in the morning. And uh, I'm on, you guys use Uber here or Lyft? Uber, right? So I'm getting my Uber um, cab, and the guy's picking me up in a Lexus, right? I don't drive a Lexus. It's a late model Lexus, right? He's going to be here in four minutes, right? This is 2 o'clock in the morning. Right? A guy's going to pick me up. I bet you he has like two uh, bottles of water and breath mints and let me uh, like uh, listen to any radio station I want. And uh, four minutes, three minutes, two minutes, and then disaster strikes. He takes a wrong turn. Oh, my goodness, he's 90 seconds late. That's me. I'm like, you're 90 seconds late. The guy goes, I'm sorry, Mr. Tire. I took a wrong turn. Right? And I'm like, really? You took a wrong turn. And then I'm thinking, oh, my goodness. Kind of an ass hat am I, right? The guy's kind of bringing me home. It's crazy, right? What's the attention span of a uh, goldfish? Uh, it's nine seconds. How about a uh, consumer, a UK consumer? Yeah, I know. It's less, right? Eight seconds. They want to know exact. They, first of all, want you to know it's them. Number two, you got to respond to it quickly. And uh, number three, they have a very uh, high expectations. If you don't meet those expectations, right, they'll just move on to the next one. I think it's based on our phones, right? If I download an app, right, I expect it'll download immediately, even if I'm on bad Wi-Fi. I expect that I can open it and I'm productive in like the first 30 seconds. Or I'm like, this sucks, right? I'm moving on to the next one. And that has permeated through our entire life in uh, B2B, in B2C, right? Everybody has those expectations. So you got to play into that. And number three, is there more or less competition in 2018? More? How much more? Uh, so the statistics, uh, I'm going to give you, fr you guys like free gifts? You like free gifts? I know you like swag, 
right? Uh, I know you like ping pong balls, but at the end, we'll give you some, um, some free gifts, specifically for marketing people to bring to the sales organization, right? You want to make salespeople smile, you bring, come bearing gifts, right? Um, HubSpot Research is one of the gifts. Just Google HubSpot Research. There are, a Mi, uh, Mimi Ang is the person who runs it. There are tons of statistics, and the statistics that I pulled for this presentation is that uh, in the old days, 2016, right, just two years ago, right, you had six to eight competitors. Today, an average of 20 competitors. Why is that? It's insane, right? It's because we're startup nation, right? Everywhere across the world, right, it's easier than ever before to start a, a business. When I f started my second company, I raised $400,000. And $275,000 of it went to uh, servers and Microsoft, Dell and Microsoft, so I could provide email to my employees, right? Uh, like 75% back then in 1993 when you started a company, starting a company was a big deal, right? Today, anybody can start a company. My buddy, uh, Matt Sherman, Matt with one T, he only has one T in his first name. He said, uh, I go, Matt, how much did it cost you to start his company, Publoft? He goes, $50. The state of Arizona just rips you off, right? And so uh, it's amazing, right? You can, you can start a company for nothing. So everybody does. Everybody's got a side hustle. It's easier than ever to start a company. You've got free apps, right? You're just in business, right? The challenge now is scaling the company, right? And scaling the company uh, requires a, a level of expertise, an understanding of how to deal with all that changes. And it, it requires uh, a, what we call a growth strategy, right? So that's what we're going to talk about today. Any other questions on like the different landscape, right? What I'm maintaining, uh, I guess the story that I have here is in 2007 when I was calling people, uh, they would always ask me two questions. They would say, what is inbound? And I'd explain it, right? And inbound is uh, a very human approach of taking total strangers that have never heard of you and converting them over to uh, uh, table-pounding advocates, right, who quite possibly uh, form these really strong customer relationships, right? And there's a difference between inbound and outbound. Anybody still cold-calling in the audience? Right? All right. Very nice. Thanks for letting me know. I'm going to strongly suggest that you're warm-calling, right? Uh, the statistics say that uh, cold-calling uh, converts at about 1.62%. Right, so when you call 100 people, you get about 2%. Inbound is uh, between 9 and 11%. So there's a significant increase in the efficacy and the use. Uh, when, I, when people tell me they cold call, I, I can't think of any other activity in business where if you um, like, uh, wasted 98% of your time, effort, and money that you continue to do it. Right? And I'm going to maintain that you got, first of all, thanks for being honest, but you probably warm call. And I'm going to, in the second part of the presentation today, talk a little bit about how all your sales organization can engage in a very professional, respectful, effective way. That's what uh, Pete and Clued and, and um, we've been talking about for a while. All right. So, uh, quick question. go. I forgot your name. Jillian. Jillian. Go. So I deal with a lot of foreign direct investment. Yes. Yep. Um, from Latin America. Yes. From Southern Europe. Yep. And various other places around the world. They still love cold calling. And when they come into the UK, I go, no, 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 you don't call here. Yes. You have to do other type of stuff. Nice. So do you have any stats from, I mean, does HubSpot have any stats from around the world? Because Tons. There's something called the 2017 Guide to Inbound. 
right? But let's just do a uh, quick poll. How many people love cold calling in the audience? Right? One guy. Up, oh, two guys. Right? And do you like making the calls? Okay, so wait a second. Hold on a second. Roll that back. Hold on a second. You love having other people cold call, right? Uh, now, let me ask you a question. Do you like receiving cold calls? I find it funny. Uh, you find it funny. Is that a British thing? Yeah, yeah. Ah, very good. Uh, most people don't, right? And so the problem with cold calling, number one, is that it sucks if you're cold calling. And I can tell you, having done lots of years of cold calling, it is really, really hard. In the old days, you got uh, yellow pages to call. Now, is there yellow pages in the UK? Yeah. Okay. They still print them? Right? Does anybody, when was the last time anybody saw, you might have to give up your ping pong ball for this, a uh, yellow pages? They used to call it golden pages, right? No, yellow pages? I'm not sure. Okay. All right. Uh, sometimes you see them at your grandmother's house. Has anybody used them? Right? No, of course not. Or maybe you give them to your cold callers. But uh, it's not, no fun calling people who don't want to hear from you. Number one, they don't pick up their phone. Number two, you're not doing your brand any favors. Right? Number three, that is not the right way to do it. In the old days, you didn't have a choice. That's the way you win games. Today, you have a choice. And not only do I have the statistics to back it up, but we have the general understanding that it's uh, evil. Right? I, I do know this, but a lot of other countries still use cold calling. I'm just wondering, do you have stats on those other countries? In, in that state of, 2000, state of inbound 2017, it breaks down into four major areas, and it talks all about the inbound revolution. And it does talk about the efficacy of cold calling. Now, I can't tell you specifically the uh, efficiency of cold calling in Guatemala, Right? But I would be surprised if it's over the industry average. The, um, the world's leader in studying this type of approach is a woman by the name of Trish Bertucci who runs the Bridge Group. Right? And the last statistics that I've seen are the 1.62%. I think it was 2016 numbers. Right? Um, but it also is common sense. Right? The, because we're in 2018, it's a little bit riskier now. Right? Because if you cold call me, I will never buy from you ever. Right? And if anybody in a general discussion says, brings up your company, I will never buy from you. And that's just because I'm that consumer. And all you, everybody in this audience is the exact same way. Right? We just have this attitude now because there are so many options that if you treat me like a total stranger, and if you would never do that face-to-face, but you send me a spam email or you call and talk about you, not only am I not going to listen, I'm going to be offended, right? So the option is always yours, right? The whole idea of inbound is that you treat people like human beings, right? You would never do it face-to-face, right? We want to treat people with uh, a human approach that makes it easier for us to help them. Right? The way, I got a slide on this. The way to win in 2018 is to help people. It's selling, helping, shelping. Say shelping. <laughs> Very good. I told you, Cluid. Schmarketing, shelping works with this audience. All right, does anybody know what this slide means? This is sales and marketing, right, over the last 38 years. All right, uh, I know. I, sales and marketing historically has been so different, right? Um, sales is male dominated. Right? Uh, sales is we want to go kill the competition. Right? We want to crush everybody. We want to close a deal. And marketing people just want to help. Sales traditionally has been male, marketing female. And uh, marketing has always been a built in excuse for sales. 
right? Uh, over the last 20 years, if you wanted to grow your business, you hired somebody like me, right? And I would come in and I would hire field salespeople, right? And I was always the king. I got all the budget. I got anything I want, right? And marketing was always in the doghouse. Marketing would create, does that sound like you guys? I know, I know. Marketing would create the brand and then you would create leads, right? And either you didn't create enough leads, in which case I would complain, whine, and say it's marketing's fault, right? Or you created too many leads of low value and at which I'd whine, complain, and say it's marketing's fault, right? And that's the way it was, right? And uh, it was permeated in my board level work, right? Uh, the vice president of marketing would come up and they would give their presentation once a year. We'd say, all right, last year we gave you um, a million right, to invest, what was the return on investment, right? And what would they always do? They look right at their shoes. They're like, ah, it's kind of hard. We can't really show the correlation. It's really difficult. It's bifurcated. We have a long sales process. And uh, as a board director, I'm thinking, all right, how can I cut that million to 800,000, right? There's no way. That is an expense, right? Marketing is an expense, right? When you wanted to scale, right, you invested in sales, right? You hired more salespeople. Right? In the old days, the reason why uh, sales got all the money is because marketing did 5%. Right? They handed the lead to salespeople who then called on the customer. By the way, they qualified on the connect call, which we never do anymore. Right? They said, are you interested? Right? Are you the decision maker? Right? If anybody asked you, are you the decision maker in 2008, you'd hang up the phone. It's insane, but that's what we did. We qualified. Then we gave a product demo. Right? Then we answered objection, then we moved them into the closing sequence. Right? We did 95% of the work, so we got 95% of the glory, of the budget, and that is the way you grew businesses. That is no longer the case. Right? Today, it's schmarketing. It's all together. And, oh, this is another thing. Anybody know the most trusted um, profession in Amir? Guess. Doctors? Who said doctors? Edwin? No, but good. Engineer? Top 10, I think. Lawyers? <laughs> British humor, I get it, very good. I love it, I love it, I love it. Anybody, other guesses? You're gonna have to give up your ping pong ball. Right. <laughs> Who said fireman? All right, can you get, you gotta hand your ping pong ball up to this gentleman, right? What's your name? Tarek. All right, you're about to get it. This lady's gonna hand you the ping pong ball. You guys, you can throw it or you can just hand it to Tarek. Very good. How did you know it was firefighters? Have you seen the slide before? That's very good. You're very intuitive. I like that. Where is marketing on this slide? Oh, where's sales on this slide? Emily's like, oh, this is going to be bad. It's a build slide, right? That's how Tarek got his, uh, his ping pong ball. Oh, baby. You don't need British humor to know that. That is not good. Salespeople, 1%. The barista that you give $4 to to get your uh, latte in the morning has more trust than a marketer. Why? Marketers find something and they just flog the crap out of it, right? You spam me, you send me stuff, right? Uh, salespeople, a little bit better, right? Behind like Bernie Madoff and Boris Johnson, right? I know, I know, it's crazy, but that's where they are, right? How do you guys feel about that, right? That is not good. You want to change that. Right? In 2018, you don't buy from people unless you trust them. Right? And this is statistics that we've garnered from the 2017 um, inbound marketing study that says we need to do it different way. And everybody has a choice. Right? I'm never going to tell you what to do. All I'm going to do is give you the data and the facts. And the data and the facts say that if you, in fact, want to sell something in 2018, right, then you have to practice 
this process. The thing is, a marketing sales is different, right? Marketing now sends out emails for salespeople. Any marketing people in the audience do that now? Send out, yes, raise your hand. So a lot, I'm going to say, raise your hand higher. Yeah, so 30% of you guys, you're sending out emails for the salespeople, right? That's great. There's no typos in them. <laughs> Hopefully, right? You're sending them current information. How many times have you seen proposals or salespeople say, no, 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 I'm going to create my own proposal. And you're like, oh, face plant. I can't believe it. People spend like 12 hours putting together this interesting document that is supposed to give the best uh, like um, uh, visibility to your organization. Marketing books meetings. How many uh, marketers book meeting for your salespeople? Brian Sexton, you cannot like live unless uh, the HubSpot marketing machine feeds you like a baby goat, right? That's what we need to do. That's how it works, right? We actually have something called a marketing meeting. Sales and marketing alignment is a big thing at HubSpot, right? And then uh, marketing is building email templates for reps, right? So that we can study that information so that we can provide it, all right? Then sales is doing persona research. How many people know personas in the audience? All right, nearly everybody. Great. All right, personas is a relatively new term, right? When I first came to HubSpot, I had never heard of personas. It used to be demographics, right? In the old days, you looked at everybody the same. You looked in like categories. Now we're smart enough to realize that it would, it's really about is the emotional attachment and the trust that you build with folks. So salespeople need to understand the buyer personas. Then salespeople have to educate prospects, right? No more qualifying on the connect call. Right now, you have to be helpful. It's shelping. So what salespeople do is actually educate people just like marketing did. And then finally, sending content to nurture prospects. Right In 2018, because it's harder to get people to kind of focus, right? you have to manage a wider funnel. So the challenge of your sales uh, organization is it's harder to sell than it's ever been before. Unless right, you're automating the low content work and that they have a huge competitive advantage. But um, marketing and sales is growth. And we have all the statistics to prove it. The companies that align marketing and sales grow 20% more quickly, right? There's Aberdeen, there's Gartner, there's tons of HubSpot research. This marketing and sales, it's an archaic delineation that's the holdover from the 20th century, right? And the new companies... The companies that embrace sales and marketing alignment are the ones that win. My uh, co-author, Todd Hockenberry, says something brilliant. He says, every company wants to grow, but not everybody wants to change, right? So the reason you're here is to learn the techniques of understanding how to bring everybody else with you, right? If you've invested inbound, right, if you believe that treating human beings like human beings, building trust, putting faith in the buyers in control is the right way to do it, then you have to practice marketing. We'll tell you how to do it. All right, how many people are familiar with this slide? All right, about half. So I'm going to spend, uh, can I take another 10 minutes? Okay. All right, I'm going to sp spend five minutes on this slide because it's very useful to you. This is an updated slide to the inbound methodology. If you Google HubSpot inbound methodology, you will find this slide. And I'm just going to walk through the way inbound works today, right? The, um, the foundation of inbound is that there's a fundamental change in buyer behavior. That in, anybody remember like how you bought something in 2004? I had somebody at the University of Ohio say, yeah, I asked my parents, right? That's not what I'm like looking for. In 2004, you like went to a retail store, right? Or you, anybody remember magazines? Right before they were on the iPad, you went through a magazine. Sometimes you went to a trade show, right? But you couldn't buy it unless you talked with a salesperson, 
right? Back in those days, the salespeople had all the information. If you wanted to know if it came in purple, if it fit in the back of your truck, if you could carry it up your stairs, all of that, the salesperson was the only person who had that information, right? Now, how do you do it now before you make a purchase? What do you do? What, say it again. You research it. How do you research it, Helen? You research it online. Does anybody not? What's that? You read. Why do you do it, Ian? Why do you read the reviews? See what people are saying, right? What percent, uh, the, the statistics say from HubSpot Research, 93% of people who are doing a B2C search or a B2B search, uh, start or a B2B purchase, start with either an online search or social media query, right? And I'm thinking, what are the other 6.5% do, right? How can you ever buy something without Googling? Now, why do you guys Google it? Why? Why do you look at the reviews? Learn else exactly. Number one, it's free. Number two, you get all the information. Number three, you get 2,375,416 pieces of information that could be valuable, right? And you want to keep control of that sales process. You, when, what, at what percentage of the sales process do you actually want to talk to a salesperson? Anybody in the audience? Zero. Who said some zero? Yeah, yeah, not a sales guy. I know, I know. We call that self-service, right? You like... Um, you like going all the way through and doing it yourself, right? Why? Exactly. And you got access to everything, right? You have Google, you have social media, you have all these people who've done it before, you have these reviews, you have everything you need. Why do you need a salesperson, right? Because the salesperson is just going to qualify you and close. Uh, hopefully, a 2018 salesperson is going to do something quite different, Right? And we're going to talk a little bit about that, that today. But the, the buyer has all the control because you have all the information, because all, you have access to all this information. The statistics say that people don't really want to talk to a salesperson until they're 65 to 85% of the way through the sales process. Some industries, it's 99%. In some industries, it's all the way to the end. Right? They never want to talk to a salesperson. The statistics say that 57%, you say no? No question. No question. So in my book, I talk about uh, buying a half a million dollar laser, right? And I uh, talk about uh, the president of this company who walks up to the president of the laser company and says, I want an MX-1473. And he goes, how do you know about that? And he goes, I did my research online. He goes, I have three options. You're either going to sell it to me at this price. This is a half a million dollar laser. This is the president of the company. And they didn't even announce the product yet and say, you're either going to sell it to me at this price or I'm going to go to the three options. Welcome to 2018, right? And so salespeople are still important. Salespeople just morph, right? In the old days, we did 95% of the stuff. Now we do 20 to 25%. It's still important. You still establish that relationship, right? It's still crucial. But if marketing doesn't do their job, right, you're not going to close that deal, right? Most people want to do 65 to 85% of the research online, just like Ian, right? Because they want to be in control. They want to find everything. And then they want specific things from their salespeople. And I'm going to tell you the specific things that they want, right? Now, some people say, well, that's not really the way it is in my industry. And there are some differences, right? But in most cases, if you don't get the leads at the beginning, right, you're not going to build trust with that customer. And if you don't build trust with that customer, you don't have a shot 
right? So in the old days, you hired a vice president of sales to go out and like charge the hill. Today, you hire one of the marketing people in this room, right? It's a great time to be a marketer because if you can bring the leads to the yard, that provides a huge competitive advantage. If you can get people, first of all, to find you, that's the attract. And to do that is different in 2018, right? Talk to Brian, uh, HubSpot partner, stand up again. Right? Or one of these people about pillar pages and topic clusters. How many people are familiar with pillar pages and topic clusters? All right. Uh, I'm going to say 30%, Pete. Yep, yep. Okay, you guys can sit down again. Very good. Uh, this attract, critically important. Because uh, I do a lot of board level work, right? Uh, I talk with um, CEOs, I talk with board level people. I go, um, do you know where you stand against your competitors online? Right? And they're, they're like, no. I go, I do. You want to know where you stand? And they're like, yes. And in the HubSpot uh, product, the marketing product, there's something called the competitors tab. And Brian can show you how to put in your competitors. They're always interested in seeing that. Their Alexa rank, how they're doing on social media, their marketing grade. And then I do, do you know where you stand on certain keywords? Uh, and they're like, no. I go, would you like to know that? And they're like, yes. And there's a fiduciary responsibility to get found, right? When I'm trying to create a sense of urgency, I, I will tell a board of directors, Right? What happens if people can't find your website and they find somebody else's? They're like, we don't get the leads. I go, but what happens? They're like, but we don't get the leads. I go, you, where do the leads go? Right? And what am I looking for? What's the answer to that question? Where do the leads go if they don't find you? Your direct competitor. Right? Just let that sink in for a while. All the CEOs that are new to inbound are like, oh, damn. Right? That's not good. Right? I never met somebody who said, no, I don't want to get found for people who are typing in something in Google search that are looking for my stuff. Right? There's a fiduciary responsibility. This is 2018. Right? We've been doing this for 11 years. Right? You can say that's not the way it works in my industry, but number one, you'd likely be wrong, and number two, I can prove it. Right? Now, there is some, some like salespeople are still critically important, right? but I got all the data. I got all the facts. I got 45,000 paying customers. Right? I have millions of people who practice an inbound. This is 2018. You don't jump on this bandwagon. And if you guys can't convince your senior team to jump on this bandwagon, well, you've got a problem. Right? Um, so the first thing you've got to do is attract. The way, how many bloggers are here? Uh, I'm going to say half. Okay, blogging is super easy. For the salespeople in the audience, blogging is just talking. Right? If you can talk, you can blog. Right? And the way marketers, if you want your salespeople to create content, Right? Don't ask them to blog. Ask them to talk. Right? They like to talk. Right? And just sit there and record it on your phone or just write stuff down. And uh, everything that they say redundantly to everybody that talks is a great blog article. Right? And if you need help in learning how to write blog articles, I think in blog articles now. Right? After 10 years of HubSpot, I think in blog articles. There's a great article called 74 Blog Article Titles. Just write that down, Google that, or just send Brian or myself an email, and we'll send uh, you the blog article. And it just start with the, the title, right? The three um, things to remember when you're buying an elephant plush toy, right? The uh, five things I wish I knew before I went on a gorilla uh, conservation tour, right? The uh, four things about whatever. And, like, once you have the title, then it, it, it's easy. Salespeople have to contribute to the content. Once you attract people to your website, right, then those conversions become critically important, right? Um, anybody know the average conversion of somebody the first time they come to your website? Guess. Who wants Tarek's ping pong ball? 
Yes, ma'am. Give the ping pong ball back to that lady. All right, that is awesome. What's your name? Annette Jensen. Annette Jensen. You are the ping pong ball champion, right? There must be a UK record for that. That is impressive. Two percent, right? So ninety-eight percent of the people who come to your website, right? Um, they need to understand what you do. That's uh, the most important thing on your website, right? Is not a contact us page. How many people have a contact us page on your website? All right, you're all doing it wrong, right? That's old school, right? You need to have a call to action that has a uh, 25 or a 20 or a 15 minute consultation with whatever expertise that you do, right? That's the way we do it. And contact us is about you. No one wants to contact you. They want you to help them, right? And you have to figure out, and last time, HubSpot Partners, stand up again. Last time, HubSpot Partners, come on, come on. These guys will tell you all about calls to action, right? All right, thank you very much. Right? They'll tell you how to optimize call to action. Right? The more people drop their contact information on your website, the more you're building trust. Your website has got to be your best salesperson. The good news is you don't have to pay them. Right? You don't have to feed them. They never sleep. Right? Your, your website has to be the central opportunity for those conversions. Once people drop their contact information, you have an opportunity to nurture the relationship. This says close, but I usually refer to it as starting the relationship. In the old days, we closed the deal, then you never see the salesperson after that. Today, you start a relationship, right? And you only start relationships with people you can do a good job. In the old days, if I screwed up, if I sold somebody that wasn't like a good fit, right? You'd like call my boss. My, you'd complain to him, and then he'd call me into the office, and he'd say, Dan, don't do that again. And I'd like, oh, yeah, I shouldn't have done that. I'd walk out and do it again. Right? That's what we did in the 1970s, 1980s. Right? Today, what happens if you're an unsatisfied customer? What do you do? You're on social media? You're like, I'm never doing business with that guy again, both personally as well as professionally. Right? You see in the United States, it's all the um, cell phone companies and all the cable companies. Right? Do you guys have that problem here? Right? Where people are whining, complaining because they're on hold all the time and they're like, tie you up for all day, right? That, you, you can't do that anymore, right? There's a significant impact. The difference in 2018 to 2016 is the customer experience, and you've got to move toward delight, right? So what you're looking for is strangers, move to visitors, move to leads, move to customers, move to promoters, right? That is the inbound philosophy. Inbound works. It works eight times better than outbound, right? And we can prove it, right? This is the way people want to buy. They want you, number one, to know who you are. Number two, they want you to know where you are in the sales process, right? If you've been to the website 37 times, the salesperson needs to know that. The salesperson needs to know what you like and what you don't like, which emails you're opening and what you're not opening. And this is shared between sales and marketing. That is the schmarketing kind of thing. All right, any questions on this? The reason I spent a little bit of time on this is um, this should be in your next marketing or sales presentation, right? This is the future, and the future is now. If you're not practicing inbound, you run the risk of alienating your customers. Uh, inbound, the foundation is helping people. I was just in New York, 500-person uh, presentation. It was a grow with HubSpot kind of thing. And uh, they're like, no, 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 no. We don't want to help our customers. And I'm like, what? And like, I'm the guy who wants to do the most good for the universe. I go, you don't want to help your customers. They go, no, that's not the way we do it. We want to sell to our customers. I'm like, all right, well, you got two choices. You can help them just because it's a good thing to do, or uh, you can help them because you want to earn your business. But the only way you get their business in 2010, 
18 years, you got to help them. He goes, no, that's not what we want to do. And this is like a kind of interactive presentation like this. So I got no choice. I didn't want to embarrass him, but I got like, audience, right? How do you feel about that? Boo, like that poor guy, right? He was like standing up arguing, and then he was like sitting down very slowly, right? I'm going, this is, they're actually doing you a favor because this is the way everybody feels. This is the way it works. All right, so before the break, how much time? 10 minutes? I'm at break? I'm just getting the meat of the slides. I know, I know, I know. All right, I'm going to spend five minutes on this, and then you're going to announce Ian, right? Introduce Ian. All right, so three things that you have to do to have the sales and marketing alignment. The first is you have to set goals. The second is you have to have a service level agreement. And the third is you have to negotiate this handoff, right? So the goal setting is what do we want? Right, and this is a shared kind of thing. I was talking to Emily. I'm going, Emily, do you know the goal of your company? Right, and she says, oh, like, I think so. Right, but you need to know the quota of your uh, vice president of sales or chief revenue officer, and then you need to know the individual quota of all your salespeople. That is super important. That data gives you power. Number two, an SLA or service level agreement tells you how much do we want. And how many people in the audience have an SLA? Uh, only about 10%. All right, so we're going to spend a little bit of time on that. This is super important because it will be new to salespeople. Salespeople, they're usually a little grumpy, right? Have you noticed that? Salespeople a little grumpy. It's because they got a target on their back, right? If they don't work, if they don't produce, they're fired, right? So that gives you a little bit of a thick skin, but it also gives you kind of an attitude where you're going to run like crazy, so you want continued employment. And the third thing that you've got to figure out is the lead quality and handoff. How many people are familiar with MQLs? All right, about half. Marketing qualified leads. Everybody know SQLs? Sales qualified leads. Anybody know PQLs? Oh, okay, lady, you get to keep your... You don't know PQLs? Lady with the ping pong balls? All right, product qualified leads. All right, very, very good. Right, and let's go walk through this. The first is, anybody familiar with an M-spot? An M-spot is a HubSpot thing. Brian sees it all the time. Right, uh, and uh, we wrote about it uh, in the book, The Inbound Organization. An M spot is a one pager. I'm going to strongly recommend that you build an M spot for either your company, if you're the CEO, or for your sales organization, if you're in sales, or for your marketing department. We start with a company M spot, move down to divisional M spots. It's one page that shows the mission, the strategy, the plays, the targets, and the omissions. Right? And there's a whole chapter on this in the book about this. As an example, build the fastest growing athletic sock company in North America. Right? This, that's the mission. That's what we want to do. We, everybody knows Simon Sinek, Finding Your Why. Right? We talk about the importance of understanding what your company mission is. In 2018, it's very important to define why you're doing it. It's not good enough to say, well, our mission is to grow. Right? You want to be very, very specific of what your mission is so you can recruit the right people. Your strategy is who you're going to service right, and how. Right? Your plans are the specific things that you're going to do to get there. Your targets are how you're going to be measured. And your omissions are the things that you've considered that you're not going to do. Right? The beauty of this is it's on one page. The beauty of this is everybody in your organization should see this and understand it. The beauty of this is you can utilize it for sales and marketing so there's good... Um, interaction between the two, and salespeople and sales executives should know and understand what marketing's goals are and vice versa. Right? Does that make sense? All right. Then the service level agreement 
is what marketing is going to deliver for a predetermined amount of demand, right? And that is leads, MQLs, and SQLs. Everybody wants the more higher quality leads. That takes years to build, right? Uh, the HubSpot marketing agencies can show you how to do it, right? But what all the vice president of salespeople, vice president of sales, want are people going to buy now. Right? And you can get those, but it's only going to be 1% or 2%, like the lady in the back said, maybe 3% if you're really, really good. And uh, it takes a little bit of time to do it. The bottom part of this is how sales works the demand. And in 2018, salespeople have to call a prospect four times. They have to email somebody four times. Right? And the third email should be a video email. Right? How many people are using video email? A handful. Okay. What do you use? Um, soapbox or Vineyard or Loom? Vineyard, right? So um, all of those companies have free products that you can use, right? Anybody ever receive a video email? Right? That's it. Yes. So all of those three, uh, Vidyard, Loom, and um, Soapbox, all plays right in the email. If you have to click a link and it goes to someplace else, you won't do it, right? Because you don't know if it's come from Russia or like... Uh, China or wherever. Yes, I know, I know. Uh, if you see a little picture and you see uh, Cluid in the picture, right? Now all of a sudden he's smiling. He's holding a little stuffed elephant or something like that. And you're, he likes, looks human, right? That is like right out of Harry Potter, right? It's amazing, right? And Cluid is going to say, no, I got 90 seconds, right? You can't take more than 90 seconds. And what you want to do is you're trying to be human, right? When you're trying to get that across, that's much better than a cold call right? It's like 30 times better than a cold call, right? The conversion for a video email is between 24 and 30 percent based on the HubSpot research, right? And uh, my bold prediction is you'll be getting a, uh, three of them a day starting in October because everybody's going to jump on this bandwagon. It's just too effective not to be there, right? But the thing for salespeople is uh, there's lots of agencies here in uh, London who would create tons of leads, but the salespeople would screw it up. The reason why you have to have this marketing alignment is if marketing does all this great stuff to nurture the leads, be human, provide this content, do the top of the funnel stuff, and then the salesperson calls up and like ruins it, right? Boom, all that money gone away. So the salespeople then have to professionally pursue, right? So what a salesperson has to do is have to call four times, email four times. The third email is a video email. Uh, you'll never get me on the first email. I haven't backed up 600 emails, and it's only 10.30 in the morning, right? If you send the second email, and it says second email, I'm like, oh, yeah, 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 that lady sent me an email, right? If it says, as per my voicemail, I'll go, yeah, yeah, that's the lady who left me the voicemail. I rarely return my voicemails, right? I'll look at them, like, uh, maybe in October, right? Uh, they're all there, right? 156 of them. I'll try to get to them. I got the best intentions, but this is the way it works. And your salespeople have to align with that SLA. They have to agree to call four times and email four times, or it's not worth it, right? What we see is sometimes people call once, email once, and say, oh, the leads suck, right? That's not good, right? You have to professionally pursue in a way that it works. Those creation of the ops, and then you need to uh, study all of the process. In some industries, sometimes you have to call six times. Sometimes you have to email six times. But the HubSpot research study says that after four times and four emails, by the way, the fourth uh, email is should I stay or should I go, right? And that gets over 50% of the responses. And it's because you're uh, trying to play into the ability for people to understand. So you have to calculate your service level agreement, right? To do that, you figure out what your total goal is, 
right? We just did this uh, yesterday, Adam and Emma. We just did this. What? How much new revenue you want to create, right? And so you uh, say, all right, this is the amount of revenue you want to create. This is the number of customers you need, right? You um, divide the amount of the goal that marketing comes in. Now, what I'm saying is marketing now has a quota. You're going to go to your vice president of sales and say, I want some of your quota. The guy is going to look at you. He's going to say, what? He go, I'm going to help you hit your quota, right? How much do you want me to take, right? Because I will turn MQLs into this revenue. And in exchange, this is what I need. This is the number of customers I need. This is the approximate close rate. These are the total leads that I need to create, right? You're essentially going to create a plan where you're going to say, all right, this is what I'm going to deliver. So for example, if you want a million dollars in annual revenue, you want 40% of that revenue from MQLs. The average yield size is 1,000. The average lead to customer close is 10%, right? Now you have the algorithm. Now you have the, like, uh, the information that you need to go ahead and do it. All right, and the final piece in this segment, we'll come back after Ian's presentation, is the handoff, right? And you have to decide when you're going to give the leads to the salespeople. In um, a HubSpot world, we don't give leads to Brian until they've come back to the website at least three times, right? Some people, because they need more leads, will give their salespeople the leads the first time they come to the website, and we're okay with that. You just have to be very cordial when you engage. When you pick up the phone, you say, this is Dan from HubSpot, or this is Pete from Hubdo, or this is Cluid from White Hat, right? You tell your salespeople, if they're calling, I want them to stand up. I want them to smile, right? I want them to be friendly. I want them to be human, right? And then they're going to ask two important questions. Number one, how are you doing today? They're going to ask, can you do that in the UK? No. no. Uh, somebody's told me you can't do that. I don't know. Cluid, what do you think? Yeah, you can do that. It depends. All right, you guys... I know, Victoria gave me the frown, so I, I, I'm thinking maybe that's a little bit aggressive for this audience. The second question, uh, can you ask, what were you looking for help with? Right? Remember, they've come to the website and converted. Is that okay within your, okay, everybody's agreeing. All right, so maybe skip the first question and go, what were you looking for help with? Now, that's transformational, right? It, that is a very human thing, right? Rarely will people decline that help. You're just following up professionally. Anybody know how quickly you have to follow up? Ten minutes. What's your name? Ellen. Ellen, very good. It's actually five minutes. If you don't follow up within five minutes, there's, uh, the percentage of close decreases by 90%. That's in the um, uh, state of inbound 2017. It's a Kellogg study, right? And it is amazing. That's why if you don't have lead notifications, which we'll talk about in the second part, you are totally, you will never sell anything. Right? That handoff is important. We talk about two things. Number one is fit. Number two is intent. Fit is what page they go to. Right? So if you don't know which page people go to, right, you don't know if it's a kind of a good fit customer. And intent is what they mean by that page. At HubSpot, we grade all of our leads. Right? And Brian knows if this is a highly rated lead or a low rated lead. When you're going to, for sales and marketing alignment, the more information you give to a salesperson, the better. Right? If you're using the growth stack, Right? Our software will tell salespeople which leads to call first. Right? That is a huge hairball for most folks uh, because they're so disorganized. They don't know the priority they should call. And the HubSpot software will do that for them. Boom, boom, boom. All right. So the thing is to measure the funnel and set expectation about what works and what this. It, uh, marketing in 2018 is less about like uh, pictures and stories, more about data and facts, right? 
what you want to do is avoid overlap in the communication. You want to be very clear in the handoff, right? When marketing owns it and when sales owns it. When marketing sends out emails for Brian Sexton, it comes from Brian Sexton. It even has his little picture down there, right? It is great. You would not know that it's not Brian Sexton. If uh, you're doing this at a high level, right, even when you cycle into the website, you'll see a chat bot. You'll see Brian Sexton's face on it. And if Brian's face converts at a higher percentage than uh, a female face or something like that, then we'll use Brian more often. Right, and if we know the IP address and we know that you're covered by a territory that Brian covers, boom, we'll provide that human interaction in that chatbot right there. All right, was that too quick? Was that good? Yeah. Scale of one to ten, how did I do? All right, you got another half an hour of this after I'm done. Right, so I only did half of my presentation, and I those were the worst jokes that I had. The jokes in the second half, much much better, much more British oriented. So. You can get your hopes up.